This is Thank with DJ Tequesta, your favorite 70s funk history podcast. I'm DJ Tequesta, a music head, historian, Haitian, Nututkote, <laughs> and big ass nerd. This podcast will explore the different 70s funk scenes in cities across the United States of America. If you love music and history, you've come to the right place. For each funk scene, we will talk about the indigenous history, who the black women were, the best songs to smoke to, and more. Each episode comes with a playlist made by me, DJ Tequesta, on YouTube and Spotify. You can find the playlist in the show notes or search DJ Tequesta on YouTube and Spotify. So sit back, relax, because it's time to get stank, y'all. Angels, what up? Coming out of Watts in 1970, Charles Wright and the 103rd Street Rhythm Band dropped the legendary track Express Yourself, reflecting the black musical legacy of Los Angeles. But before we get to that, we gotta go way back. For nearly 8,000 years, the area known as Los Angeles was inhabited by the tribe known as the Keech. The footpaths of the Keech would eventually become the path for the 405 freeway. Yanga, the Keech's people's largest village is now downtown Los Angeles near Union Station. The Keech Nation was surrounded by the Chumash on the west, the Tatuyaviam on the north, the Serrano and Cahuilla in the east, and the Luisiano in the south. They were unique to their neighbors in that they were master boat builders and navigated the ocean, having a presence on Catalina Islands and other islands off the coast of Southern California. Their spirituality beliefs viewed humanity not as the focus of creation, but more like a part of a larger web of life, with the primary responsibility of people being the caregivers of the earth. The Kish did not believe in evil spirits or any concept of hell or a devil. Purposes and owls were honored and never killed. The practice of medicine and healing was the responsibility of a medicine person. One thing to note is that within that territory, there were more than 50 independent communities whose populations ranged from 50 to 300. Local Kich peoples identified themselves with a village, such as Tapanga, Kahuanga, Tujuna, and Kukumanga. The Kich people's first encounter with the Spanish invaders was nonviolent near the Catalina Islands in the 1500s. And here is where we'll take a slight detour to talk about the origins of the name California. In 1530, when Spanish invaders arrived on the west coast, they named the land California. This was the same name of an island in a fictional novel written in 1510 by Garcia Rodriguez de Montalvo, The Adventures of Espandillan. In the book, California is an island of black lesbian warriors ruled by Queen Calafia. Calafia, the black warrior goddess, was the strongest, most courageous, and beautiful woman in the world. She dressed in a golden robe adorned with jewels and a large headdress. The island, California, had steep cliffs, 
was filled with gold and had legendary creatures like the griffin, large flying animals with the body of a lion and head and wings of an eagle. The women raided villages for treasure and to abduct men, having sex with the men strictly for procreative purposes and then killing the male infants and keeping the females. After they were done with the men, they would feed them to the griffins. In the novel, Queen Calafia engaged in a war and would lose the final battle. However, in time, the name Calafia would be reclaimed to exhibit the power and possibility of black women worldwide. So now you know that California is named after an island of black lesbian warriors. All right, back to the show. The Spanish were already making their way towards the now California region in the late 1760s. They established their fourth mission, Mission San Gabriel, in 1771. San Gabriel and other missions will be sites of devastation for the indigenous peoples. The missions were built by forced labor with armed soldiers and religious figures enslaving the local Quiche population. Many were forced to be Catholics, and if you didn't learn prayers in Spanish fast enough, you were killed. Armed soldiers stood by the mandatory masses, while the indigenous peoples were kept on their knees by whipping and caning of the church bailiffs. The missions were essentially death camps, used to exploit and then eradicate the local indigenous populations to dispossess them of their land. Now another pause to talk about names. According to studies, the local indigenous peoples identified themselves by the type of houses or villages that they lived in. Keech meant willow houses, as that was the type of home that the locals resided in. The term Gabrielinos was used by the Spanish invaders due to the proximity of the local indigenous peoples to the San Gabriel mission. The Keech people are known by the more popular name, the Thongva people. However, Thongva and Gabrielinos are both misnomers of colonial determination. The indigenous population of now Los Angeles never referred to themselves as Gabrielinos or Thongva, even though these names are now in common use. The Spanish invaders were cruel and repressive towards indigenous peoples of the region. Slave labor, mass sexual violations, forced religious conversions, and unencumbered violence were the norm for these unfortunate people. Through the colonial darkness, however, rose the light of resistance. And this is where we meet our next figure, Dorpurina. In 1771, Dorpurina was a 10-year-old girl when the Spanish missionaries and soldiers arrived that year and claimed the land of what would become the San Gabriel Mission. Dorpurina was the daughter of a chief. Her mother would be raped by a Spanish invader, and when her father protested, he was executed and decapitated with his head raised on a pole. As noted, the Spanish were cruel, but gave the local people slight room for cultural expression. However, in 1785, they would forbid the practice of traditional dances, which would lead to an uprising led by Topurina. The young 10-year-old would eventually grow into a 24-year-old spiritual leader and medicine woman. With her brother as chief, her reputation grew through her spiritual guidance, language skills, and persuasive communication. She would collaborate with an indigenous man, Nicolas Jose, to lead an insurgency, to take over the mission and expel the Spanish. Topurina would travel from village to village, encouraging the locals to join the rebellion, with the six villages joining the cause. On the night of October 25, 1785, Topurina and the rebels attacked, but unbeknownst to them, the Spanish were informed of the revolt ahead of time, allowing them to squash the resistance movement. Topurina and the insurgents were tried and expelled to the other missions. Topurina was forced to be baptized and given the name Regina, meaning queen. She would be exiled to a mission near now Carmel, California, and transitioned into ancestorhood in 1799 at the age of 39. In LA today, there are many expressions of art that honor the life of Topurina. 
A local tribe of Kich people take a pilgrimage from Mission San Gabriel to the resting place of Toporina every year. There is a tribute to Toporina at the Metrolink stop in Baldwin Park and a beautiful mural at Ramona Gardens Complex in Boyle Heights. Toporina represents the intertwining forces of spirituality and revolution, a fire to forge the issues of many into the power of one unified force. That spirit of revolution was present in downtown LA on June 20th, 2020, when activists tore down the statue of Junipero Serra. Junipero Serra was a Spanish Roman Catholic priest and missionary who oversaw the brutal campaign of colonial atrocities of the indigenous people. In July 2021, the County of Los Angeles would draft an apology for the historical mistreatment of the local indigenous peoples. It would not come with any material reconciliations. Nowadays, LA County stands as the county with the largest population of Native Americans, making them less than 2% of the total population. While Topurina and her rebels were plotting on the downfall of the colonizers, black families were already making their way to LA as some of the first settlers. Now LA and California have a reputation as a place of liberal freedom, which is what drew a great deal of black folks from the south to the west coast. However, these dreams were in fact illusions and not just for black folks. Many LA neighborhoods had racial covenants, which excluded Asians, Mexicans, Native Americans, South Americans, and black folks from owning property in those neighborhoods. The white supremacist film, The Klansman, also known as Birth of the Nation, was filmed in LA and premiered in downtown LA's Kloon Auditorium in 1915. This film promoted the Ku Klux Klan as the guardians of white womanhood against the imaginary vicious Negroes. LA was full of firebombings, shootouts, cross burnings, and white gangs determined to intimidate local black folks. These things commonly thought of exclusive to the South. The black folks, of course, resisted at every opportunity and fought back in many ways. One of those resistors was Charlotte Bass. Charlotte Bass moved to LA in 1910 at the age of 36. She began as a salesperson for a black newspaper, the California Eagle. Within three years, she would be the first black woman to edit and own a newspaper. With Bass's leadership, the California Eagle would become the largest black newspaper on the West Coast with over 60,000 subscribers. The California Eagle was the first to stand against the release of The Birth of a Nation, inspiring other African-American newspapers around the country to join Bass in condemning the film. Bass would continue to use journalism as a method to combat racism, capitalism, sexism, and imperialism throughout her career until she sold the paper in 1951. However, the newspaper would just be one of her edifying experiences. After rejecting both the Republican and Democratic parties, Bass would become the first black woman to run for vice president as a member in the Progressive Party in 1952. Bass's platform called for civil rights, 
women's rights, an end to the Korean War, and peace with the Soviet Union. She campaigned with the slogan, win or lose, we win by raising the issues. The FBI placed her under surveillance on the accusation that the newspaper was seditious and continued to monitor her until her death. She was accused of being a communist and in 1950, she was called before the California Legislators Joint Fact-Finding Committee on Un-American Activities. On April 12, 1969, Charlotte Bass would transition into ancestorhood and be buried next to her husband in East LA. While Charlotte Bass used journalism, community organizing, and electoral politics to combat colonialism, other black folks would use culture in the same way. This is where we find Dr. Molana Karenga, the creator of Kwanzaa. The first Kwanzaa was celebrated on December 26, 1966 in Long Beach in LA County. He developed Kwanzaa as a non-religious holiday to celebrate family and community. To create Kwanzaa, Karenga drew on elements from African harvest celebrations. The name of the holiday comes from the Swahili phrase Matunda ya Kwanzaa, meaning first fruits of the harvest. The holiday lasts seven days, and on each night, a child lights one of the candles on the kanara, a candle holder. And on each night, one of the seven principles is discussed. In order to avoid over-commercialization, gifts handed out on the last day of Kwanzaa are supposed to be homemade. The greeting for each day is Habarigani, Swahili for How Are You, and Haraza Kwanzaa, meaning Happy Kwanzaa. The official colors of Kwanzaa have symbolic meaning. Black for the people, red for the noble blood uniting all people of African ancestry, and green for Africa. The number seven is also significant in the celebration. The name of the holiday is spelled with seven letters. The holiday is celebrated for seven days. There are seven principles. There are seven symbols as well. The seven principles should be practiced throughout the year and not just ceremonially over seven days. The principles, called Nguzo Saba, are values of African culture that contribute to building and reinforcing community among black folks worldwide. The seven values. The first is Umoja, meaning unity, the first and foundational principle, which is to strive for unity in family, community, nation, and race. The second, Kujichagulia, meaning self-determination, this is to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. The third, Ujima, meaning collective work and responsibility. This is our task to build our community together, make our siblings' problems our problems, and to solve them together. The fourth, Ujama, meaning economic cooperation. This is to build and maintain our own businesses and to profit from them together. The fifth, Nia, meaning purpose which is to make our collective effort the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to our traditional greatness. The sixth, kumba, meaning creativity. 
which is to always do as much as we can in any way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than how we found it. It is on this day, the sixth day, that a communal feast called a karamu is held on December 31st. And the seventh principle is imani, meaning faith, which is to truly believe in our people, our righteousness, and our victory in the struggle. Faith is put forth as the last principle, as unity is put forth as the first principle for a reason. It is to indicate that without unity, we cannot begin our most important work, but without faith, we cannot sustain it. Unity brings us together and harnesses our strength, but faith in each other and in righteousness inspires and sustains the coming together and the commitment to take the work to its end. Ultimately, Dr. Karanga's focus was to reaffirm our rootedness in African culture and to struggle to be who we are. Kwanzaa serves as a means to return us to our history and culture. It is an act of freedom, instrument of freedom, and celebration of freedom. It breaks from dominant European culture without permission. Kwanzaa was created to give African peoples all over the world a unified cultural celebration to come together and reaffirm the bonds between us, to meditate on the awesome meaning of being African in the world, to emphasize communitarian values that stress and strengthen family, community, and culture. And most importantly, the heart of Kwanzaa is relationality, the importance of how we relate to one another, how we come to being in relationship with one another, and how we come to love one another. Colonial, xenophobic, and anti-communist oppression have been legal in LA throughout its history. We lift up the ancestors and elders who blazed the paths of resistance and created footsteps to follow in righteousness. set the scene, let's get into the music. It's time to highlight songs and artists from the playlist that capture the different sounds and themes of 70s LA. Los Angeles was, and still is, one of the musical recording centers of the world. Unlike Seattle, artists had access to many record labels and distribution companies. Coming out of Long Beach, bands like War take advantage of these opportunities to also spread a message. They named the group War because of the Vietnam War. Their choice of weapons was musical instruments that did not chew bullets, but instead shoots melodies, harmonies, rhythms, grooves, and strong messages. And it would be the Vietnam War that brought out over 30,000 Mexican-Americans on August 29, 1970. They marched in East Los Angeles protesting the Vietnam War, the high casualty rate of Chicano soldiers, and the racist conditions in East LA. Named 
the Chicano moratorium, this will be a pivotal moment in the history of Latin activism. Fueled by Mexican funk bands like El Chicano, Isaac Connection, and Tierra, the legacy of Mexican art and activism lives strong today. Now let's get into the music. For Mastepas, we have the classics, And the Beat Goes On by The Whispers, and Forget Me Not by Patrice Washin. The Whispers were formed in Watts in 1963, where they lived in the Jordan Downs housing projects and performed in talent shows at Jordan High School. In 2014, The Whispers were inducted into the official R&B Music Hall of Fame. Patrice Russian is a 1972 graduate of Alain Livor Locke High School, located in South LA. Patrice was also a 1976 graduate of USC, also called the University of Southern California, with degrees in music education and piano performance. She would be the first woman to serve as musical director for the Grammy Awards, directing the 46th, 47th, and 48th Grammys. The first sample of the playlist goes to You Are Number One by The Whispers. Recorded in 1976, this song is sampled in Monica's 2003 hit, So Gone. For my conspiracy brothers, we have Changing Times by Ike White and Black in a White World by The Watts Prophets. Ike White released only one album while serving a life sentence for the accidental murder of an elderly grocery store clerk who was shot during an armed robbery. He was convicted at the age of 19 and spent his time writing songs with his fellow prisoners. Through Fortune, he was discovered by a record producer and affiliate of Jimi Hendrix. They managed to record in a mobile studio in prison in 1974. By 1978, Stevie Wonder heard the music and Ike's story. Stevie decided to secure a new attorney for White who got him released that year. The Watts Prophets, founded in 1967, combined elements of jazz music, black power, and spoken word performance, making them a forerunner to contemporary hip-hop music. Think Kendrick onto Pimp a Butterfly. B.D. McNeil is their secret weapon on this track. The best breakup songs go to Sometime a Love Goes Wrong by Kara Lucas and So Tired by Gloria Jones. Gloria Jones is the president and director of the Mark Boland School of Music and Film in McKinney, Sierra Leone. This school works with ages 5 to 19, developing skills in songwriting, filming, editing, recording, performance, directing, and acting. Gloria Jones lives in Sierra Leone and dedicates her life to helping our babies fulfill their dreams. And for a good day, we have Street Scene by Tiara and September When I First Met You by Barry White. Coming out of East Los Angeles, Tierra was the first Latin band to have four songs on the national chart and two simultaneously in the top 100. Becoming a solo artist in 1972, coming out of Watts, Barry White dropped out of high school at 17 to pursue a magical career in the musical industry. And that's Thank with DJ Tequesta. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at DJ Tequesta to check out our newest content and find links to our music playlists. And that's DJ T-E-Q-U-E-S-T-A. You can find the music playlist in the show notes or search DJ Tequesta on Spotify and YouTube. Each playlist features tracks that showcase the local sonic diversity of each funk scene. Remember to give us five stars on the rating and a review if you're feeling funky. Enjoy the music till next time. And remember, breathe and listen to funk.